Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Let me start with this question this morning. By show of hands, parents, you're in church, so please be honest about this. How many of you have ever lost a child out in a public place, like a big crowd or a store? Please let me see some hands so I know I'm not the only parent that has ever done this, okay? Is that not the most terrifying moment when you kind of realize that our kid is not here and we're in this big store or this big crowd of people and we've lost our kid? Uh, I was talking to someone before church, and they said, yeah, I've lost my kid a few times in public, but they managed to keep finding me. So I'm not talking about that, like when you tried to lose them. I'm talking about uh, a quick story I'll share. Is uh, This was probably, man, I bet it was like 13 years ago, because our little daughter, Jennifer Rose Sanders, she was probably only like four or maybe three and uh, Jess and I, we were down in Sioux Falls at Walmart, doing the Walmart thing. So we're in, and, and I like to go in on a mission, like, let's get in and get out of this place. So, all right, give me a list. I'll go get some stuff. So we split up, right? I was going to go to a different part of the store and, and shop for some stuff. So I'm kind of off, left Jessica and Jennifer in the aisle to do their thing. And it wasn't very long, and I heard the loudspeaker, a voice come over the loudspeaker saying, attention, Walmart associates, we have a code Adam." I learned that day that code Adam in Walmart means a parent lost their kid. Um, and so then they kind of shut down the doors and they tell everybody to look for a kid. Because then what followed is, we're looking for a little girl, blonde hair, purple shirt, blue jeans. And I was like, pretty sure about 20 minutes ago, I came through the door with a little girl, blonde hair, blue jeans, purple shirt. And my heart just jumped into my throat, right? And so I'm like frantic now. I'm panicked. I'm starting to hustle up and down the aisles looking for my daughter, and at the same time in my mind, I'm already planning the physical violence I am going to enact on whoever has her, right? Like I'm going into beast lion mode, and I'm searching for my daughter, and, and it, thankfully the story ended well. Jenny's sitting here in the audience today. We found her like a few minutes later. I came into an aisle, and here's Jess and one of the friendly Walmart associates with their blue vest and my daughter with the blonde hair, blue jeans, and purple shirt, right? But you can, you can experience that fear as a parent, can't you? You, you can relate to that. Like, we lost our kid. We're going to see this theme that today as we open the, the Bible to the book of Jonah, that the point I want to make is that it's not just kids that have the ability to wander off and get lost or even rebel and run away. Like, it's not just kids that do that. It's us as Christ followers, as God's children, we also have that tendency sometimes to either passively wander away from God and drift from his presence, or sometimes we even have the ability to actively rebel against God and run away from him. And I, and I wonder today, honestly, am I speaking to someone either in the Flandreau campus or the Rescue Church or one of our other campuses or online, am I speaking to someone here today that that's where you're at right now. You're either passively kind of drifting and wandering from God or maybe even actively rebelling and running in the opposite direction. But one of the themes that we're going to see and what I want you to know about the God that we serve is this. We serve a God that actively pursues his kids. We just, we just sang a song about it in worship this morning. Like we serve a God who will stop at nothing to pursue us. And we see that theme in the book of Jonah. So, Open your Bibles, if you've got them, to Jonah chapter 3. We're going to pick up the story where we left off last week. And let me give you kind of a review of where we're, we've been in this short four-chapter book. We, we're spending one week in each chapter in the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. Jonah's a prophet 
right? So he has this relationship with God. Um, he, he speaks on behalf of God. And in Roman, or Romans, in Jonah chapter 1, here's what happens. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. God speaks to Jonah. And, and if you missed that, that week's message, what we know is God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, which was this wicked, evil city, and I want you to preach a message of repentance against these people. And Jonah was probably very much like you and I. Like, he believed in God, he had a relationship with God, and he didn't mind that so long as God didn't interfere with his life. And don't we live that way sometimes? Like, God, I love you, I believe in you, I want you in my life as long as you're doing what I need you to do for me. Please don't interfere with my life. Please don't ask me to get uncomfortable. Please don't inconvenience my dreams and goals and desires and agenda with, like, your dreams and goals and desires and agenda. That was Jonah. God spoke to Jonah. Jonah ran from God's word in his life. He got on a ship going in the exact opposite direction from Nineveh. God sends a storm upon the ship in the middle of the sea. Jonah finally surrenders in that moment. He's like, guys, it's my fault. Throw me overboard. The sailors throw Jonah overboard where God has a big giant fish waiting to pick him up. Boop. And Jonah spends three nights and three days in the belly of this great fish. That, that's Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 2, we see Jonah now speaking to God. Jonah 1, God speaks to Jonah. Jonah chapter 2, Jonah speaks to God. That's what we talked about last week was from the belly of this fish, Jonah has this prayer meeting with the Lord. Like he now is really turning in repentance and worship, even in the middle of this horrible place covered in squid and seaweed. He talks to the Lord. Today, as we open Jonah chapter 3, we're going to see God now speak through Jonah to the people of Nineveh. Remember, we ended last week with the, the, the fish barf Jonah up on dry land, and now Jonah's back on track. He's back on mission. I will warn you, though, even though outwardly his actions are what God is asking of him, we're going to see next week, and I'm just giving you kind of an inside look, his heart isn't caught up yet with his actions. His heart isn't really in this obedience thing, even though outwardly he's, he's doing it. So kind of keep that in mind as we as we see Jonah get back where God at least has told him to be. So Jonah chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Everybody say second time. Second time. Saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Imagine a city so massive it takes three days to, to walk across. Like this is how big Nineveh is. And, and I want to pause for just a moment. I, I had you all say second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How many of you know that God is faithful and he will have the same conversation with us again and again and again and again, and he will say things over and over and over to us until we get them. Did you know that? Parents, how many of you have had that moment where you've told your kids the same thing over and over and over again? Yeah, okay, two of us, cool. How many of you have said things to your parents and they, or to your kids and go, oh my goodness, that was what my mom said. To, I'm becoming my mother, right? Has that ever happened to you? Where you're like, why? why? Because listen, if, if parenting was this easy that you just tell your kids something once and they get it and change, we would all be rock star parents. But that's not the, at least that's not the kids I'm raising. Probably not you either, right? We're imperfect parents raising imperfect children and sometimes even a perfect God 
is faithful to say the same thing over and over and over till we get it. So God's like, all right, Jonah, for the second time, I want you to go to Nineveh. I've told you before in this series, but just again, a quick review. This is, this is an understandable reason why Jonah wants to disobey God. To go to Nineveh and preach repentance is a hard assignment because Nineveh was a wicked, evil place full of wicked and evil people. If you want, you can scratch down this Bible reference, Nahum chapter 3. Nahum is an Old Testament prophet, and it's a prophecy spoken out against Nineveh. And you can go get a very thorough resume of the wickedness and the evil that was in this city. But I'll just give you the Cliff Notes version right here. Here it is. If you read Nahum chapter 3, you'll find this. You'll find witchcraft, prostitution, child sacrifice, and murder. Like, these are some wicked people. And this is to this city full of witchcraft, prostitution, child sacrifice, and murder that God is saying, Jonah, I want you to go to those people. You want to know why, church? Because the love and the mercy and the forgiveness and the compassion and the grace of God is greater than the sin of Nineveh. He loved Nineveh. He loved those wicked, God-hating people. God loved them enough to send someone to preach to them. I want you to know the love of God is bigger than any sin you've ever committed in your life. The grace and mercy of God is bigger than any sin you have ever committed against a holy God. It doesn't justify your sin. It doesn't make it okay. It just says that God is bigger than your greatest sin. And he loves you. Did you know, guys, God loves Flandreau like he loved Nineveh. When God looks at Flandreau, I promise, he sees broken people. He sees dark hearts. He sees racism. He sees addiction. He sees all kinds of issues in our community. And what I want you to know is that God loves Flandreau. And he loves Moody County. And he loves Peoria, Illinois. And he loves the people in Deeside, Jamaica. And the love of God is greater than the sin of Nineveh, greater than the sin of Flandreau, greater than the sin of this nation. And he wants to speak to people through willing vessels that will carry his word to those places because God's love is bigger than all of that. All right, so watch this. Verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out. Y'all ready for Jonah's sermon? You got your pen? You ready to take some notes? Here's Jonah's sermon. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Let's take an offering and pray and go home. His whole sermon fit inside a tweet on Twitter. Like you could have Twittered the whole sermon in one tweet. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Wouldn't you love it if your pastor preached such short sermons? Wouldn't that be fun? I got to tell you, what in Hebrew there's five words. Jonah spoke five words in Hebrew. So there's only three possibilities here. One possibility is this is just Jonah summarizing his message. Maybe he had a deep sermon full of three points and a poem and a prayer and all of that, and he's just summarizing it for his audience as he's the author of this story. He's writing this book. Maybe this is just Jonah saying, basically, I went to Nineveh and my message was turn or burn. Right? It's a summary, possibly. Maybe... It was an exact verbatim, word-for-word quote of what God said. Maybe God said, Jonah, here's what I want you to say. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He's like, okay, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Could be that, or it could be Jonah did as little as possible to obey God and still be in compliance. 
I'm leaning toward, and as we see his heart next week as we go to Jonah 4, I'm kind of leaning toward that. I think Jonah, we're going to see, he does not love the people of Nineveh. We're going to see that he actually is waiting in eager anticipation for God to rain down hellfire and brimstone on these wicked people. I think Jonah was like, fine, you want me to go to Nineveh? I can't run away. I'll go to Nineveh. Hey, Nineveh, 40 days and y'all are going to burn. That was basically his message. But church, watch this. Here's a major theme that I want to draw out of Jonah chapter 3. Regardless of what was actually said, what I want you to really see is the response of the people. And I want you to summarize it by this. Write this down. The word of God works, and it has the power to change hearts. We're about to see an amazing revival break out that comes from five Hebrew words spoken by a very unwilling and reluctant prophet, and we're going to see perhaps the greatest revival that's ever taken place in human history. Why? Because the Word of God works, and the Word of God has the power to change hearts. Watch this. Let's see the response of the people. Verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh, what did they do, church? Let's try it. Are we all on the same page? And the people of Nineveh, what? Believed God. They believed the word of the Lord. It says they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth. Sackcloth was like like this like itchy, scratchy, like potato sack type material that we put on when we're mourning or when we're in deep sorrow. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. Imagine, he's bringing in the press. He's like, hey, listen, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent And turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Is the word of the Lord powerful? Say yes. The word of the Lord came to Nineveh through Jonah. And what we see is a response like this. Can you imagine? Before we just run on past this little detail in the story, can you just try and take this out of ancient Nineveh and bring it to modern United States of America? Can you imagine a revival like this breaking out in our nation today? From the top, from the most powerful seats in our country, our elected officials. Can you imagine our president tonight coming on, getting all the media in the Oval Office and saying, interrupt every football game, every TV station. I want to say something to the people of America. Can you imagine him tearing his clothes and saying, I am declaring a fast. Shut down the buffets and the restaurants. Do not eat any more food. We are going to fast and repent to God. It's going to be huge. Can you imagine that coming from our president? Quite frankly, it's going to be the biggest fast we've ever had. Like That's a horrible Trump impersonation, but can you imagine... Can you imagine seeing on CNN and Fox News images coming out of our United States Congress, our Senate, and our House of Representatives, of our leaders tearing their clothes and bowing their knees in prayer before God in repentance of how we have sinned against a holy and righteous God? It's almost unthinkable, isn't it? And yet the wicked, prostituting, child-sacrificing, murdering, witchcrafting people of Nineveh. This is their response to the word of God that's delivered to them. 
the word of God is powerful. And the people responded with humble repentance. Those two words go together really well. Humble. Humility is where we have an accurate view of ourselves, especially in light of who God is. Like we get an accurate view of who we are. Humble repentance. And you know what repentance is? Repentance is when I stop making excuses for my bad behavior and my sin and I stop blaming my parents and society and everyone else. And I understand the word of God comes to me and I understand that there is something deeply broken inside of me and I need God to change it. Not just my external behavior, what I do. I need God to change who I am. Because outside of Christ, I am so lost and so broken. Like, that's humble repentance. And that's the response of these people in response to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is powerful. When the Word of God comes, it comes with power. And it has the ability to change hearts, to change people, to change families, to change communities, to change churches, to change a nation. The Word of God is that powerful. As I'm reading through this, I'm I'm thinking in my mind of this passage in Hebrews. I think I put it on your notes. Hebrews chapter 4. How many of you know this scripture? It says, for the, the word of God is what? It's alive, it's living, and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Church, I got to tell you, you hear this so often. This is why you and I, as God's people, need to be people of the Word of God. We need to be people in God's book. It's not because it's what good Christians do and you can check the box and be more self-righteous. It's because the Word of God is living and it will speak into my life just as relevant today as it did when God spoke it thousands of years ago. And the Word of God lays my heart bare. It shows the, the motives. It shows the, sometimes the ugliness and the darkness and the brokenness. It's like a mirror, James says. The Word of God is like looking into a mirror like, whoa, I, I need to do something with this, right? I need God's help. And this is why like, we're putting the focus this year on reading the Bible together as a church. How do we claim to be God's people and followers of Christ, yet we've never really even read the Bible for ourselves? Like, we don't even know what God's Word says. We need to be people of God's word. Do not be afraid to be in the word of God and then when God leads us to unleash the word of God. Why? Because people need it. And it's powerful. The word of God has power to change lives. At the Rescue Church, I just want to say a few things. You know, when we go through a new members class, by the way, we've got one coming up in October. One thing I always pause on, I like to point out to people that in this church, we believe that the word of God is, here's a big word, that it's authoritative. That when God's word speaks, are you ready for this? That God's word has the authority over my life. That when I find my life out of line with what God's word says, God's word is not the one that needs to change. My life is the one that needs to change and be brought into alignment with the timeless, eternal, living, and powerful word of God. Like, in our church, we believe that the Word of God does not change with the ever-shifting tide and culture of human thought or what the media says is right or what we can get, you know, a majority of justices in the United States Supreme Court to agree upon and say, this is now the law of the land. The United States Supreme Court does not override the timeless Word of God. Right? Like, it doesn't matter what Hollywood says and popular culture says and the media says. We believe that the Word of God is authoritative for our lives. Kind of weird. I thought that might get a couple amens in God's house, but whatever. We believe that when God's Word speaks, it has the ability 
to tell us what to do. We do not sit as editors of God's word. He has not called us to edit his word. He has called us to deliver his word and be messengers of his word to our world. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 says this, when God saw what they did, how they responded to his word, how they turned from their evil way, what does your Bible say? My Bible says, God said, well, too late, people of Nineveh, I'm still bringing hellfire on you guys because I'm a mean, angry God. Is that what your Bible says? No, my Bible says that when God saw how they repented, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. The story of Jonah is a story of the goodness of God, where he spares the lives of wicked people who deserve judgment. Church, what I want you to know is that the story of Nineveh is my story and it's your story. It's the story of the world. See, a lot of times, and and this is good, partly it's really good, like a lot of times we as God's people like to focus over here on the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God, and all of that is 100% true, amen? But a lot of times we forget that the reason that is such good news is because there's another part of God, and it is the holiness, the righteousness, and the justice of God who will not tolerate evilness and wickedness. He will deal with it every single time. He judges sinful mankind, and we don't like to talk about that, but he does. And here's the powerful message of the gospel. Are you ready for this? There was a day about 2018 years ago in human history when the wrath of God that stems from his truth and righteousness, the anger and the wrath of God was poured out against all of your sin and my sin. And the thing is, God didn't deliver it on me or you. He poured out all of his justice and wrath and anger and his holy righteousness on the shoulders of his son, Jesus Christ, who had never once sinned. And Jesus, who we know to be the greater Jonah, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he bore my sin and your sin. And the father judged it. And Jesus bled and died. And in this now, God, through the cross of Calvary and through the sacrifice of Jesus, God extends an invitation of rescue and salvation to you and me. That the same love and compassion that he gave where he relented on the city of Nineveh when they repented, he extends that invitation to every single person in the sound of my voice, and he's patiently waiting and pursuing because his desire is that nobody has to experience his wrath. Jesus already experienced it on our behalf. My mind went to this verse in the New Testament, 2 Peter 3, 9. I love this verse. It says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Pause real quick. Have you ever like watched the news? And I'm talking to Christians now. Well, maybe even not Christians, but really to people that have already experienced God's forgiveness. Have you ever watched like the news and stories from around the world and stories even right here at home of where you just see the depravity of man on display, the wickedness, the the complete lack and disdain of any kind of care for the sacredness of human life. And you kind of wonder to yourself, why does God not just wipe these people off the face of the earth? Here's why. Because the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but his patient, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We're living in this amazing season right now where God is, his, the wick of his wrath is burning very slowly. And he's giving opportunity for sinful people 
to respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Prayerfully, it would be delivered a little more lovingly than the way Jonah brought it. Forty more days and y'all are going to burn. And yet, the wick of God's wrath is slowly burning. But church, make no mistake about this. There is a day coming again in human history, forward, into the future. There is a day coming where every single soul throughout human history that has ever rejected Jesus Christ will pass before the judgment seat of Christ and they will stand before a holy God to give an account for the life that they lived and the gods that they worshipped, small g, gods that they worshipped. And on that day, the kindness, the goodness, the patience, the long-suffering of God will run out. And for all those who stiff-armed the gift of salvation that only Jesus made possible, they will stand before a holy God to reap the justice and the wrath of that God to be separated for all eternity from his presence in a place the Bible calls hell. And I know that's not politically correct. I'm trying to say it as loving as I can with a few more words than Jonah delivered his message. But people of Nineveh, hear me. It's time to repent. I wonder today if I were to ask you to kind of like which of these characters in chapter 3 do you most identify with? And let me kind of unpack what I mean by this. I believe it's very possible that today I'm speaking to some people that you're honestly like the characters of Nineveh. Like you, you right now are living a life that you're just kind of being your own boss, going through life, you know, not really giving any regard to God or what he wants for your life. And, and the message I believe from Jonah chapter 3 to your life today is you need to repent today. Because you may not have a tomorrow to act on this. Like in the grand scheme of eternity, this is one more opportunity where God is throwing you a lifeline. It's called the gospel, and you're hearing it now that there's a Savior who took your sin upon himself, and he made a pathway for salvation possible, but you have to receive it. You have to bow before the authority of King Jesus and allow him into your life to be your Lord, to be your Savior. And I'm wondering, am I speaking to some Ninevite people today that need to repent and turn to the Lord? I wonder today, am I speaking to some people in the rescue church that you most identify with, I'm going to call it the pre-fish Jonah. You know what I mean by that? Like the Jonah before he got swallowed up by the fish. You're, you're cool having a relationship with God so long as he doesn't really interfere with your life that much, as long as he keeps doing what you want him to do and you know, giving you the more wishes you keep asking for and you treat him like this cosmic genie, you're good. But the minute God asks you to do something that takes you out of your comfort zone, now you've got problems and you're kind of running and disobeying and, and wandering from the Lord. And I believe God's word from Jonah 3 to you today would be it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to turn back to the Lord and lean into the story and the calling that he has put upon your life. There are people that God wants to speak. He wants to bring the word of the Lord through you to them. And it's time for you to stop running from that story and start embracing it. And understand that, yes, a loving God who has a plan and a purpose for your life sometimes is going to take you through some places that don't always feel comfortable. And it's ultimately for your good and the good of the people he wants to reach through you. And then I wonder today, maybe, hopefully, I'm speaking to some post-fish Jonah-type people. That you're like, God, I know what it's like to run from you, and I know what it's like to experience your pursuit in my life where you use things that aren't always comfortable to get my attention and I know what it's like to get back on track and God wherever you want to use my life for your glory and your kingdom here I am Lord here I am send me I understand like we heard Tyler say like all of life is sacred I understand that I'm being sent out into the world regardless of what my J-O-B or my vocation is you're sending me out as a sent one from you 
And by the way, one, one other quick thing I want to say before I lead us in a word of prayer is I want to be really clear not to paint a picture like Jonah. Because again, I remember I told you, and we'll see it next week, Jonah, his heart's still not there. Outwardly, he's obeying. But Jonah right now probably has this heart, this mindset of, I have to serve God. I have to get on mission, and I have to do it. Why? Because if I don't, God's going to pursue me and eat me with a big fish, right? So I, I guess I got to show up and serve the Lord. That's not really what the Christian life is about. It's not a you have to serve God. It's a we get to serve God. Do you know that? Like, do you believe that to be true? Question for you, true or false? God could have done everything he did in Nona, in Nonava. Let's try Nineveh. God could have done everything he did in Nineveh without Jonah. True or false? Yeah, ev- the, the truth is the only difficult person in the story up to this point is Jonah himself, right? Like, like the, the storm obeyed God, the fish obeyed God, the people of Nineveh obeyed God. Jonah, the man of God, is the one problem in the whole story. God didn't need Jonah to get the results he got in Nineveh. Like the word of God is powerful with or without Jonah. So question, why was God so committed to communicating to the people of Nineveh through Jonah? You ever thought about that? God doesn't need me to move to Flandreau, South Dakota and start a church. God could have done every bit of this without me. Why is God so committed to speaking to people in Flandreau through me? I want to say it like this. It's not because God needed Jonah. It's because God loved Jonah. Watch this. Here's a word picture for you. Imagine like a dad who takes his kid to work with him. And like, I'm talking little kid, and I'm not talking about when they start to become teenagers and their voice drops a few octaves, like, now I want to take my kid to work. Like, there's a lawnmower out there, it's got your name on it. You know, like, where do I plug it in? No, I'm talking about like a little kid, like five, six, seven-year-old little guy who gets to go to work with dad. And dad gives him a little few tasks to do busy stuff and whatever. Question, is that kid really helping dad accomplish much of anything? Probably not. If anything, he's probably a little bit in the way from time to time. And why does dad want the kid there with him at work? It's because the dad loves the kid. It's because the dad wants to be close to the kid and spend time with the kid. And it's because the dad wants the kid to see his world and to see how he works. And I think it's like that with our father in heaven. He doesn't need us to be his messengers. He loves us and he wants us to go to work with dad sometimes. Because what happens is when Jonah goes to Nineveh, God's about to show Jonah next week the heart of the Father. God's about to teach Jonah some things about his relationship with God through how he works through the peop- in the lives of the people in Nineveh. And so here, here's, here's a little summary that I want to share with you just in my own life. And I know there's people in the rescue church today that you would say yes and amen to this because you've experienced this as well. I I have come to a place in my life, and honestly, I came to this decision or conclusion, like, honestly, I was probably about fifth, sixth, seventh grade. I was actively serving in my church. Hear this, young people. I was actively serving in my church, not because I was a pastor's kid, but because I learned at a young age there is no greater joy in life than serving Jesus. Amen? No greater joy. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I'll be honest with you, and so if you've ever felt this way, it'll give you permission to at least know that, well, at least I'm not the only screwed up one. My pastor feels this way. Sometimes I look at non-Christians, 
or nominal Christians, you know what I'm talking about, people that we're not really sure if they are or not, they might give lip service to the Lord, but there's really not a lot of outward evidence in their life, and sometimes I look at people like that, and I go, God, they seem to be happy, <laughs> like, they're not all stressed out about the stuff I'm stressed out about, they don't carry the burdens that I carry, like, what if I just lived that way, where I just didn't go to church on Sunday, and I just didn't really represent you out in the community, and out into the lives of other people, like, it kind of looks comfortable, Lord, I go there in my thoughts sometimes, but it usually doesn't take long for God to bring me back to this place and go, hey, John, if you want to check out, like, I don't really need you to do my work on this earth. My kingdom will come. My will will be done, whether you're a part of it or not. But he brings me back to a place of realizing I don't have to serve him. I get to serve him, and it's awesome. When we get to go to work with our dad, and when we get to see the heart of the Father and how he works in the lives of other people, and especially when he uses us to do it, when he takes his powerful word and it gets filtered through our clumsy mouths and our clumsy lives, and we give God's word and share Jesus with the world in need, and then he does things through that, oh my gosh, there's no greater joy in this world than serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you haven't come to that conclusion yet, my prayer is that you do. My prayer is that you're like, God, I don't know what that crazy guy's talking about, but if that's really true, I want some of that. Here's a summary of Jonah chapter 3, and you can write this down on your notes, and we'll close in prayer. God is calling me to repent of my sin, surrender to his direction in my life, and engage the world around me in ministry. It's almost like no, grow, go is kind of wrapped up in there, right? Like repent of my sin, come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, surrender to God's direction for my life, like grow in my relationship with him. And the more I walk with him, the more he guides and directs my path. And then ultimately he sends me out to engage the world. In church, tomorrow Jesus is sending the rescue church out into the schools of our counties and our cities. He's sending the rescue church out into the farming fields prayerfully. Hopefully the weather cooperates. He's sending the rescue church out into the business community, and he's sending a bunch of missionaries on mission to the people of Nineveh. And he wants to deliver the word of the Lord through your lives to them. Last thought, and I'm going to pray. I, I, I was going to save this for a series in the new year, and I can't even wait to say this because it's so convicting when I heard this question. This ties into this whole idea of being on mission for the Lord. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was at a pastor's conference, and I heard a, a guy get up and speak, and he asked this question. Man, it was convicting. You should write this question down. He said, if God were to give you every soul that you have prayed for in the last day or week, how much would his kingdom grow? Let me tell you what, let me put that in, in English. What he's saying is, if God were to answer your prayer for every unsaved person in your life that you've been praying for and saying, God, please save them with the gospel of Jesus and let me be a part of the process. If he answered every one of those prayers, how much bigger would his kingdom be today? I'll, I'll answer for myself. In that moment, in that day, the answer was zero. God, I, I don't think I've really prayed for anybody to come to know you as their Lord and Savior. What if, we, what if we went off tomorrow into the workplace, into our schools, and what if we had, had this idea like Jonah, like we just got barfed out of a fish now, and we get to go back on mission and go, okay, Lord, you want to speak to people through me. 
And so, God, I'm going to pray right now. I mean, I know today I'm probably going to come into contact with my Aunt Martha, and she's a real piece of work, so, Lord, just help me to speak your word to her. And, Lord, I know there's that guy at work that's, that's just a, he's, he's kind of a hater, and, and he doesn't believe in you, and he, he needles me every chance he can. Lord, help me to just love him and be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in me. And, Lord, today I'm going to be teaching this class of seventh graders, and I don't even know how you can love seventh graders. I get loving Ninevites, but seventh graders, Lord, but, but help me to love them. Like, what if you saw it like that? What if God started answering those prayers? Anyway, God's word for us today is to surrender to his word, to surrender, repent of our sin, walk with him as he leads us, and then get a life on mission as we're out serving him in our communities. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer today. God, I thank you for this time that you've given to us. Thank you for the story of Jonah. Lord, thank you that it is ultimately our story. That you are a God of grace who relents of the sin and the judgment that our sin causes us to deserve. But in your goodness, you sent Jesus to die in our place. Your wrath was poured out on him so that we could be spared. God, I pray that there's nobody here this weekend listening to this message that is going to hear all of this and walk away from it still deciding to run from you. Because, Lord, I pray that in this moment you just bring that conviction in their life that what they heard about that slow-burning wick of your wrath, ultimately it will run out, and ultimately they will stand before you to give an account for their lives. Lord, help us to turn and repent today while there's still time to receive you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us in this church who do know you, We've already have that testimony of receiving your grace and forgiveness. Again, not because of our goodness, but because of your goodness and how you, you reached us with the, your message. Lord, I pray that we would not be like the Jonah who runs from the discomfort and the inconvenience, but that we would lean into that story, that we would go to work with our dad tomorrow as we go out into our community, that we would be prayerfully looking for opportunities to let the word of the Lord come to the people in our world through us. And might we do it with grace and truth and all kinds of love and winsomeness. God, I just pray that you'd work powerfully in the life of this church as a result of this message. Jesus, we love you. We worship you today. It's in your precious and holy name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv.